The text, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, for this morning's sermon is found in Psalm 42, verse 5 and 11, and also in Psalm 43, verse 5. Um, Now, all these three passages are identical, so we will just read the first one. Psalm 42, verse 5. And it says there, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. After the sermon, we will respond with the singing of Psalm 43, stanzas 1 through 5. Beloved congregation in Christ, may I ask you a question? It is a question that may be posed by the elders of your church when they conduct their regular home visit. This is what they may ask you. Are you growing in faith? These days, the matter of growing in faith is discussed frequently. I imagine that you may answer the question by asking another question. What does growing in faith mean? What is understood by this growth? Often we think growing in faith has everything to do with strong feelings. You only grow in your faith when you become more enthusiastic, happier, and when you emanate more gladness. It is true that faith creates emotions. In your relationship with the Lord, there are emotions. The Canons of Dord, chapter 1, article 12, mention some of the unfailing fruits of faith to be a godly sorrow for sins and a hunger and thirst for righteousness as pointed out in God's word. Fruits of faith are emotionally charged conceptions, which create emotions. This means that growth in faith is also a growth in sensitivity. But it is dangerous to see growth in faith only as a matter of feelings. For then, you run the risk that you float on your emotions. Feelings are a bad compass. You can especially notice that when you get into a nasty situation. When you are really in trouble, it will give you all kinds of bad feelings. Then emotions such as despair, anger, or bitterness can become dominant. But does this mean that you have lost your faith? That is not necessarily so. For faith is more and knows more than what you feel or experience. Faith starts 
with God's promises. From this starting point, faith sometimes contradicts experience and rises above your feelings. Growing in faith, someone wrote, is this. The faithful person learns to live from his faith rather than from his feelings. This means that you continually learn to live a life led by God and his word. We can hear this in the refrain of both Psalms 42 and 43. Here, faith speaks in contrast to our feelings. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? The theme of this morning's sermon is faith can be in contrast with your feelings. Faith does this by, first of all, looking backward on the past, Psalm 42, verse 5. (coughs) Secondly, looking upward from the present, Psalm 42, verse 11. And thirdly, looking forward to the future, Psalm 43, verse 5. So faith can be in contrast with your feelings. Faith does this by looking backward on the past, looking upward from the present, and looking forward to the future. Faith can be in contrast with your feelings. Faith does this by, first of all, looking backward on the past. Let's go back to our Bible and read the passage that ties in with this. Keeping in mind the text is 42, uh, Psalm 42, verse 5. And let's read Psalm 42, the verses 2 to 5 again. And it says there, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. And in the text, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. In the north of Israel, high up in the mountains of Hermon, in the land of the Jordan, we find a Levite. He's from the family of the sons of Korah. And we know from the Bible that it was the task of the Levites to guard the temple, the house of God. Today, we could perhaps call them security guards. In addition to their task of guarding, they also had been given the duty to sing to the honor of God. They sang in choirs consisting of only men. The Lord was the God of their exceeding joy. Psalm 43. And while they sang, this choir was accompanied by lyres. It was their task to guard and to sing in God's house in Jerusalem. That was their life's calling. But what is this Levite doing here in the mountains so far from Jerusalem, hundreds of miles away? Did he not have to work in God's house? 
Yes, his place belongs in the temple. That exactly is his problem, described in this psalm. In total grief, he yearns for the return to the temple. From the mountains of Hermon, he looks with eager longing in the direction of Jerusalem, where God's house is located. (coughs) Like the deer, standing a few slopes higher up in the mountains and who in the heat of this oriental country yearns for water, so also this Levite is yearning for God's house in Jerusalem. The deer yearns for water, its head high up in the wind, to smell where the water may be found. In the same way, the Levite is thirsty with desire for God and his house. The problem is that he is far away from God and his work, which was his joy. He is a stranger in exile. At this moment, far away from God, there is nothing that can make him happy except a memory. The memory of time past. There, while high up in the mountains, he closes his eyes for a moment and he hears the music again. And he remembers the past. How the people from the whole country would come to God's house. And he recalls his happiness when he was part of the choir, singing and leading the people to God's house. The trumpets would sound and the lyres would play and he would be singing along with his brothers. Your altars, O my Lord and my God. And again, he closes his eyes for a moment and in his sadness he recalls how I used to have a joyful heart when I would go up to God's house, leading the procession to go to my God and my King. These memories make him feel a bit bitter, so much so that in verse 5 he tells himself not to pay such a lot of attention to this sad situation. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? You can imagine how that feels when your soul is downcast. You're feeling low, you're down in the dumps. You walk, bent over, slouching your shoulders. You show how you feel. You feel weighed down by the situation you find yourself in. You are full of sad feelings. But faith is in contrast with such feelings. Because the life of faith does not make you live only in the present. There is also the memory of God's work in the past, of God's house. There is more to speak about and consider than what you are experiencing here and now. And we see this happen in our text. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? When someone starts talking in this manner, he is on the right track. He is no longer dragged down by his feelings. Inwardly, He will still be troubled, for his soul is disturbed. In modern words, you feel stressed. But if you can distance yourself from those feelings, you are on the right track. Then you can say to yourself, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? 
There is more to life than the present with its bad feelings. There is also the memory of God's work. Believing is remembering. It is thinking back on the things God has done. Looking back on the past. You remember his deeds of salvation. What did he do to save his people from Egypt? Did he sacrifice his son on the cross for no reason at all? That would be outrageous. Congregation, think of what Paul wrote. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And that's in Romans 8, verse 32. Would he who wanted to give me so much let go of me? Believing is remembering. And faith is fed by remembering. That is why preaching is so important. For through the preaching, we keep God's work in mind. That is the reason why we cannot speak enough about his deeds from the past to our boys and girls. In this way, they learn to know God in this world, a world in which he is largely ignored. (coughs) How much time do you spend remembering God's deeds? How do you work with the preaching? Do you explain to your children what God did for them in Christ? Only if you know God's deeds, congregation, if you know all that God did and does, can you speak the language of faith, hope in God. And so faith speaks to you in contrast to your feelings. Faith looks back on the past. By remembering the things of the past, your faith is revived. In the second place, faith does this by looking upward from the present. Let's go back to our Bibles again and read the passage that ties in with this, which is Psalm 42, verses 6 to 11, and then keeping in mind that the text for this point is verse 11. So we'll start reading at verse 6. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. In the second part of the psalm, the poet says that in his sadness, he remembers God. This even leads to a song in the night. Where is your God? 
the pagans around him say, just where is he? They seem to be vindicated. What is the use of such a faith? Why believe in a God who does not help? He loses face with his faith. Where is God? This question again touches him deeply. Did God forget him? Did he let go of him? The God of the past, is he really here in the present? In Austria, in the year 1624, many Lutheran preachers and their families fled the country via boats on the Danube River. Because the Roman Catholic Church had regained power in the country, the Lutheran preachers had to flee. Indeed, they had to flee, but what hurt most was the scorn they endured. From the riverbanks of the Danube, most of the people would scoff, Where is your mighty fortress? They had often heard the Lutherans sing it. A mighty fortress is our God. Well then, where was he now? Now let's go back to today. Perhaps you are ill. Or you may have problems. Things just don't work out for you. And here you are with your faith. Do you still believe in God? Someone will ask. Don't you see now that this faith does not even help you? God has forgotten about you, they may say. In Psalm 42 also, we hear the complaint go to heaven that God forgets people. Why Have you forgotten me? But as soon as you say that in your prayer, things change. For praying is going to God. You look up from the present. That does something to you. That does something for you. Because praying changes you. We see that also in this psalm, in the same verse 9, where he utters his complaint, we also read that at the same time, he calls God his rock. Yes, my rock. We can rely on him. Now, that is real evidence of faith. When you are scorned because of your faith, it feels as if God is not there and does nothing. Yes, but faith has more to say than just what you feel, for it has seen and heard more. Faith, for instance, was there at Calvary. That is the place where Christ was deserted by God and people. That is the place where everything was against him, and the scorn was there. He trusted in God. Let God deliver him now. Matthew 27. But nothing happened except that darkness flooded over him. And he shouted in anguish, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And faith gives us this moving answer. It was for me that God forsook you, Lord Jesus, so that I don't have to be as lonely now as you were then. Faith was there at the cross. Now this faith comes and comforts you. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Then faith comes and comforts us with a loud cry which Christ uttered on the cross. 
In faith, you may say, I am sure that I will never be forsaken. That changes the situation, and you hear a different language. Language, Put your hope in God, my Savior and my God. The poet is speaking to himself. He literally says that the Lord is the Savior of my face, which means he will save me, and then I will be able to look people in the eye again. God will once again let me face the world with my head lifted up. (coughs) Congregation, to what do you pay the most attention? What people say about your God or what God says about himself? If you listen to what people say, you will lose your faith in the end. But if you faithfully take your Bible, you hear God's voice that says to you, don't listen to them. No matter what happens in your life, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews continues with, So we may say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13. With this confidence, you will look the mockers straight in the face. And so we see that faith testifies against our sentiments by looking back on the past, looking upward because of the present, and now in the third place, looking forward to the future. In our faith, we often stumble. We fall down, but we also rise up again. In faith, we look and search so that we may be fully assured of the comfort of our faith. There may be times that you lose it all. One moment you have everything, the next moment nothing. After such a struggle comes victory. And yes, then it starts all over again, for we are not there yet. That becomes clear when we see the similarity between Psalms 42 and 43. Let's take our Bibles again and reread Psalm 43, remembering that we find the text in verse 5. So Psalm 43 says, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. And then the text, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Faith must be activated time and again. Faith has to quote God every time. And from God, salvation will come. God will not remain in the distance. He will take action. Faith is so strong that the poet now already says that he will respond to God's work of salvation with the words, For I shall yet praise him.
Not here in the mountains, but later on, when I'm back in Jerusalem, God will do it for me. Then I will again lead the people to God's house in a dense throng. Then all these people will be reunited in God's city. Then the trumpets will sound, my colleagues will sing, and we will cross the court to the altar to thank and glorify him. That is praise that recognizes God's work. That is the salvation I will then enjoy. Yes, then at thy sacred altar, bending my heart to God in prayer, I'll raise with harp and voice in worship blending. Thy chords resound while psalms ascending to God, my highest joy. Bring praise for all his wondrous ways. This truly is the language of faith. Faith sees God in the past. It clutches at God in the present. And accordingly, we see the prospect the future holds for us. He will intervene for us and he will save us. For after all, Christ did not stay on the cross, did he? He rose from the grave. Because of him, a whole new world opens up for us who believe in him. He who now lives comforts and assures us with his words, which we find in John 14, verses 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I will come again. Until the time that he comes again, the struggle for the experience of God's presence remains. That is the struggle in Psalms 42 and 43. But in that struggle, in longing, we keep on hoping. We are not home yet, but we are on the way home. As the deer about to falter in its trembling agony longs for flowing streams of water, so, O God, I long for you. Congregation, do you know this hope, this longing to be with your God? The question is, do you know God? Are you looking forward to this great day of salvation, or are you despondent? Are you no longer really looking forward to this salvation? In other words, did you lose God a little bit? Don't you know him anymore? Whoever knows God knows that there is a lot that still needs to happen. Whoever believes in him is on his way to the full longing and fervent hope. When we are home with him, we will not have to sing Psalms 42 and 43 anymore. Then the deer will have found water forever in God's river, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Revelation 22. Only there we will experience God's nearness and presence in full. On the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Amen.